Welcome to Startup Story Slam, storytelling for entrepreneurs. I'm Jim Breslin, co-founder of Startup Story Slam, and today we're sharing three stories from our series. At our live events, anyone can take the stage and tell a five-minute story about their entrepreneurial life. The stories can be about the trials and tribulations of starting a business, or working at a company, or maybe your life as a freelancer. Each event has a theme, such as why, disruption, or leap of faith. The first Startup Story Slam was held in Philadelphia in October 2015, and we've held other Story Slams in Chicago, Washington, D.C., West Hampton, New Jersey, and Media, Pennsylvania. Let's listen to a story told at our Washington, D.C. Story Slam, which was held at Make Office's DuPont. The theme this night was why. Marcus Bullock told us about his personal experience that led to the creation of FlickShop. Here is his story. Both of us were arrested at Springfield Mall for the charges of carjacking, robbery, and use of a firearm in the commission of a felony. I was 15 years old, and I remember getting arrested, <clears throat> and we were at Pentagon City Mall, and, and it was the craziest thing that ever happened to me, obviously, I was 15, and even everyone in my family. Looking back on those days um, leading up to that moment uh, of my arrest, uh, it, it was really, really, really ugly. And it was very, very, the times were bleak. The moments were ugly. The courtroom appearances were hideous. I was a 15-year-old kid who just turned 15 a week prior to me getting locked up. And I was facing 23 years to life in prison. What happened? I got sentenced, I got convicted and sentenced to 23 years to life as a 15-year-old kid. I was certified as an adult and I was sent to a super maximum security facility and my judge said he did me the favor of suspending 15 of those years, which left me with eight years to spend in prison. Celebrating my 16th birthday, 17th birthday, 18th birthday, 19th birthday, 20th birthday, 21st birthday, 22nd birthday, 23rd birthday. All of these years I spent in prison. I grew up inside of a prison cell. During the time that I was in prison, as you can imagine, as a kid, my world was a little bit different than those that I shared cells with at that time. I grew up in, in the, the, the closest thing to me was my family. Just as any other typical teenager, it was the family in my life that kept me together, even in prison. It was the family, it was my mom, it was my sister, my uncle, my aunts. It was those that cared the most about me, despite the path that I took. Because I don't have that story of, oh, horrible, you know, horrible situation, horrible. No, no, no. No, I pulled a gun on somebody and I actually robbed them. It's a horrible, horrible thing that happened in my life, but it was a very pivotal moment. It was pivotal because my family could have did this or they could have did that. And they chose to do this. They tried to do the that. And they chose to support me the entire time I was in prison. They came to visit me. They sent me letters. They took pictures. Um, they kept me abreast of everyone that was, going, that was happening in the, in, the, in the family. But how many of you guys are back in the, this was in the mid, mid early, to early, I'm sorry, mid 90s to early 2000s. That was during the era of Polaroid pictures and 35 millimeter. We used to take our one-time use cameras and take them to CVS and Walgreens, get them developed. This was before the time that we have now of cell phones. 
See, now we communicate in a completely different way than we communicated back in the 90s when I was in prison. And so the one thing that kept me in control of my moment when I was in there, these guys don't have now. The way we communicate now, we use Facebook. We use Instagram. We use Twitter. Follow me, at Flickshop. We use text messaging. We use email. We use all these modes of communication, but now in 2016, those guys who I was locked up with, Andy and Kyrie and all of my friends that I actually grew up in prison with, they're no longer in contact with their family members. Because their family members don't have the time, like my family members had the time back then, to write letters, send pictures, get them developed, put them in an envelope, address them, put a stamp on them, and drop them in the mail. Those days are over with. I mean, we even pay our bills online, right? We don't use stamps and envelopes any longer. And so the guys who, 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 are, who are still locked up behind those prison walls, they always, they wanted to know, Marcus, you're home now. And, 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 and the great thing about this part of the story is that after I came home and I was released from prison in 2004, I got a job at a paint store, I started doing some things at the paint store, and it allowed me to actually open up my first painting business. I would open up a painting business, and now, 12 years later, that painting business has 18 employees, and we gross over $3 million a year. My friends, they can't understand. They don't get it because they're like, Marcus, I can't see you any longer. I don't know what's happening because Facebook has completely tore away our connection to the streets. And I would love to be able to tell them, hey, man, look, y'all got signed this major contract with BWI Airport. And I want to take pictures of it and show them to, to show them, listen, it doesn't matter that just because you're in prison right this very moment that this is the end of your life. Your life has an after. I had it before. This is my after. I had a redemption moment, right? And what happened was that redemption moment could not be shared only because of what Mark Zuckerberg did with social media. <laughs> so now, because my friends can't see it, I was like, man, dang, I wish there was a way I could just text you real fast and be like, yo, I'm doing this, take a picture, send it to you. But I can't do that because you don't have cell phones inside of prison. There's no internet inside of prison. There's no emailing inside of prison. There's no, so you have 2.4 million people in this country right now who do not have direct access to their family members. Why did I create FlickShop? FlickShop is the mobile app that allows you to be able to take a picture, add some quick text, press send, and for 99 cents, we send a real tangible full color HD postcard in the mail directly to any person in any prison anywhere in the country. We have over 2,000 facilities that we service and we have now bridged a gap, a gap for 2.4 million people who are now able to see their family members grow up. My friends are allowed, able to see now my five-year-old son go from his baseball game to his basketball game to him practicing his Mandarin. Yes, my five-year-old speaks Mandarin. It's crazy. It's the one homework assignment I just can't help him with. I'm like, dude, enjoy your own. I don't know what to do with that. But, my, but, but now they're able to see this. I'm able to take a quick snapshot and say, yo, man, look at my son. Man, he's getting big. It's crazy. Put my phone back in my pocket. And now they're going to send that picture in about two to three days directly in their cell. What is my why? Very simple. I wanted to change the world. And I'm doing that from a global perspective. I have users in Germany who are sending flick shops to people in L.A. I have people in Puerto Rico who are sending flick shops to people in Maryland. I have people that are working on judiciary committees that are saying we want to be able to help all of these guys in the federal prisons 
but they don't even know what bill SB 149 looks like. I tell you what, we're going to take it very, very easily away of taking a picture of this bill and say, hey, listen, if you're interested in applying for this kind of opportunity and they press send and it goes out to a blast of guys all on a postcard directly to their cell. What's my why? Because I did eight years in prison and I know how important pictures and mail are to family members all across the country. As Marcus said, you can download the FlickShop app to your phone. We loved his story. Thanks, Marcus. Now, let's listen to a story from Philadelphia. Parchel Hotton is the founder of Fresh Level Productions, and here she tells a story about one of her favorite video shoots. The theme of the night was contagious. If I had to give a title to my contagious story, it would be that love is contagious. Um, So... My company in particular named Fresh Level Productions. We're also a video production company like Andy mentioned before. And uh, most of my video guys in here can relate that sometimes you get requests to do video that are fun and creative. Like, oh my God, this would be awesome to do. You get some that are like, uh, (laughs) to say the least, very interesting. I'll just say that. Um, But then you get some that are just like, oh my God, this is going to take a lot of work. But I think it would be awesome if we pulled it off. And so this story is about the proposal of Jeff and Noreen. They got uh, engaged in New York, and they asked me to come and film the proposal. And so it was me and my team out there, and, you know, this was probably one of the most nerve-wracking experiences ever as a videographer because you don't want to blow the surprise, and we can't, you know, let's, let's do that again. You know, let's go from the start, and uh, let's try this again. You can't do that um, in that moment. So um, this story, when I heard about it, I was like, oh, my God. I was almost in tears just hearing the concept of what we were going to do with this couple. So I'm going to try to condense it down, and then, of course, at the end, or if you guys want to see me, I'll send you a link to you so you can see it as well. Um, but so Jeff and Irene, it was their anniversary night, and they were leaving from their favorite restaurant. And typically, they go a certain route when they go back to go back home or whatever. Um, but they actually took a different route. Jeff said, let's go this way. Let's go through the park. So she's like, all right. So they go through the park, and it just so happened that her friend was in the park just hanging out as well. So they run into her friend and uh, like, oh my God, what are you doing here? You know, they catch up for a little bit. Jeff says, oh my God, I left my phone back at the restaurant. So he leaves, goes back to the restaurant. Not really, he just circled around the park. <laughs> um, but at that moment, both, uh, she and her friend sat down and her friend says, oh my God, Noreen, you got to watch this video I saw online today. I think you really like it. So she hands her, her her phone and says, check it out. And so it was a video of all our friends and family saying, oh, my God, we're so happy for you. You know, this is such a magical moment in your life, and we're just so glad to be a part of it. And so at this point, she's like, Noreen's like, what is going on? (laughs) And um, so after they watch the video, uh, a messenger comes to her with 12 roses, one for each month that they've been together at that point. And then as soon as she hands the roses, we had uh, her sister, a wireless mic, or, or sorry, wireless speaker in the park. And it started playing the song, A Thousand Years, which <laughs> is a really heart-wrenching song. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? And uh, so it starts playing in the park. And around the corner, her niece, which is actually from Virginia, uh, came. There's her favorite niece. And we start hearing this voice singing to the Thousand Years song. And it was her niece. So her niece comes around, and she's singing. And, you know, at this point, Noreen is done. <laughs> Okay, tears are, are coming down. It's just, uh, she's just a mess at that point. 
Um, and so her, her niece starts singing, and all the while Jeff was coming up from, uh, from behind her. And um, so after her niece finished singing, um, Jeff comes, taps on the shoulder, she turns around, he comes out on one knee. It was just the perfect moment. And so that video that we did for them, um, we released it online, and this is why I'm talking about Contagious, um, because people shared that thing like wildfire. And I couldn't believe it, and it was one of these moments where um, the work and the effort that it took to put into that, which I thought was crazy, like I don't, I don't think this is going to work, but it worked, and it was beautiful, and it spread like crazy. And so I think to date, I think it's hit almost uh, 300,000 views and been shared like crazy. And this is actually one of our most popular videos that we've done. And it's funny that the theme of that was love, which is why I thought to go, love is contagious. Thanks. Thanks, Parchel. We recently held a startup story slam for Philly Tech Week. Thanks to a sponsorship by Headroom Coworking Space, AT&T, and the Delco Chamber of Commerce. The theme of the night was disruption, and this event was held in Media PA. Our featured speaker for the night was Corey Furlan. Corey is a business development officer by day, but he is also a true soccer enthusiast. Um, so, as was said, my name's Corey Furlan, and I don't know how many people in this room have ever been to a Philadelphia Union game down in Chester. Show of hands. Have we done it? Cool. All right, so this group, the Sons of Ben, I'm sure you know they're the loud, rowdy, you know, fun-having crew down at the one end of the stadium. Back up to 2007, before the MLS even was, an, was a thought in Philadelphia, um, myself and seven other guys met at McGillan's Pub down in Philadelphia. It's the oldest bar in Philadelphia. Um, and we're like, how can we find a way to bring this sport that we love? And I'm a soccer geek. That's the best way to put it. I played it from when I was four years old all the way up till currently I try to play as best we can at this point. Um, so we, our whole thing was, how can we find a way to bring Major League Soccer, which is a huge corporate entity, to put a team in the city of Philadelphia? Okay, so that's something that is completely outside of the normal realm of thinking. Like, people don't wake up one day and say, how are we going to bring a professional sports franchise to the city that I live in? So, basically, we're sitting in McGillan's, right? There's eight of us talking. We're having free soup at lunch, little, you know, kind of chitter-chatter, and uh, the name Sons of Ben and the logo were coined. This was kind of a, a one-off thing. We were throwing out names that said, you know what we're going to do is we're going to start this group, and we're going to bring Major League Soccer to Philadelphia just by bringing attention to ourselves. Hence the theme of disruption. We disrupted everything that you can possibly imagine in any way, shape, or form, and in all senses of the word, to bring this group here. Eight of us sit down, come up with the name Sons of Ben. Is it how, where did that come from? People ask us all the time. Ben Franklin, obviously, you know, the founding father, one of the founding fathers of this country. Um, you know, albeit he is from Boston, identifies himself as a Philadelphian. Um, <clears throat> Also, if anybody knows anything about Philadelphia sports fans, the moniker SOB kind of fits hand in hand with what you have going on. So that's kind of where that all kind of came to fruition. Somebody sketched out this cool logo on a napkin in McGillan's Pub, and we were like, all right, cool. We like it. We dig it. Um, so as I said, we had no real plan. We said, we're going to figure out a way to make this happen. We started going to local soccer events. We're going to get 60 people to sign up to sign this petition to bring Major League Soccer to Philadelphia. Um, not knowing that it would actually happen. Uh, so we start getting this position. We go to, uh, as I said, Major League Soccer events. We showed up at a New York game. 
with our Philadelphia garb on and booed the team from New York, just as any Philadelphian would do before Philadelphia had a team. We, the, the team from New York still to this day has not won a cup, so we decided to sing a song, We've Won As Many Cups As You and We Don't Have a Team. So it kind of fit into what was going on, and we said, you know what, we're going to be Philadelphians everywhere we go, and we're going to wear that badge proudly, because that's who we are. Um, so we just kind of were literally grasping at straws. How are we going to get this to happen? Because obviously, a professional sports franchise costs millions and millions of dollars. I don't have millions and millions of dollars, nor do any of my eight friends that started this group. We'd be lucky if we could put together a comma in our bank account if you combine us all together. So it was kind of one of those things like, hey, we're going to try to figure out this and, and go and just we literally guerrilla marketed. We branded T-shirts. We branded scarves. We branded magnets. We had a guy um, walk around to all the different soccer pubs in Philly and hand out these magnets. And so there was a game, if anybody's a soccer fan, between Man United and Chelsea. This guy, Tommy Rowe, stands up in front of the TV and says, Hey, guys, I'm here and I'm going to bring Major League Soccer to Philadelphia. Who wants to sign the petition? Like, people started throwing beers at this guy. People were just hackling him. Like, if anybody knows anything, between those are two of the biggest clubs in England, you know, some guy from, they were like, yeah, okay, Major League Soccer, cool. We'll see you there. Um, fast forward, the perfect storm happened. We used all sorts of social media. We used Twitter. We used Facebook. We used, I mean, Instagram didn't even exist back then. But we used those two as the main methods of communication to get it out to our members. We logged in and uh, basically started with a goal of 60 people a month. Within 18 months, we had 3,500 people ready to pay dues to this organization for a team that didn't exist. It makes absolutely no sense. You're going to give me your money for a soccer team that doesn't exist? And like, okay, cool, whatever. <laughs> Slowly but surely, we kind of started like, okay, now we're collecting money from people. We have to make this legit. Like, this has to become something, some sort of entity, a business entity. Um, founded a 501c3 nonprofit organization that is now the Sons of Ben. It is now in existence today. Um, Fast forward to the point in 2008 when we had a, there was a, I actually remember being in the courthouse in media when Delaware County uh, said that they were going to award $40 million to help build this soccer franchise in Chester. Um, that was like Christmas morning to me. I was like, you know, like I'm a sports fan, but like soccer's my passion. And I, I, you know, I followed it kind of at a distance because I didn't have something that was my own. Now it's here. They're going to put it in our backyard. They're going to build the stadium. They're going to get the money from the county, the money from the state, and we're, you know, and all this together, it's it, this group, not only did we found, you know, this thing. Like, if you go down to a stadium, unfortunately, you have to see my ugly face 50 feet tall on the side of the building. Like, it's terrible. I'm going to be done in a second. I met, you know, it, it, it completely transcended everything. Like, bringing this group together, bringing the passion and the pride that people have in this city, and just kind of thinking completely outside of the box and believing in something that we firmly believed in and living it with every aspect of our life was how we got this done. It was pure will. You know, obviously we had a lot of help along the way from a lot of different people, but this group, the Sons of Ben, has absolutely changed my life. I met my wife through this group. You know, I started my career in banking through this group. Shameless plug, I work at Meridian Bank down here in media. Come see me. Um, <laughs> you know, but it, it, it's absolutely become a family. And just as I said, just by 
focusing on a common goal, utilizing the tools that were at hand, we disrupted the whole Delaware County, Delaware Valley scene on its side, and we said, you know, come hell or high water, we're going to bring a professional sports team to Philadelphia. So I hope that was enough. I could talk all day long. They call me Story Corey on the side. That's kind of my whole thing. So I appreciate you guys being here. I'm an, absolutely honored to be here and to share this story, and I hope these guys don't mop the floor with me. So thank you very much. <clears throat> The Philadelphia Union has proven to be very popular in Philadelphia, and it all started with Corey and his friends. I love it. That's it for this debut episode of the Startup Story Slam podcast. We'll be back next month with three more stories from our live events. If you are connected with entrepreneurs in your city or want to build a stronger network of business owners in your town, consider being a Startup Story Slam producer. We can guide you through the process, and you can become part of our global community of entrepreneurs who share their stories. If you think you'd like to bring Startup Story Slam to your city, send us an email at stories at startupstoryslam.org. We are also looking for a sponsor or sponsors for our Startup Story Slam live events and podcast. Grow with us as we expand to different cities throughout the world. You can learn more and see when our next live events are at StartupStorySlam.org. I'm Jim Breslin. Thanks for listening. Your host, Jim Breslin, is the author of Shoplandia, the humorous novel inspired by his 17 years at QVC. Huffington Post Books has called Shoplandia a raucous novel. Available now at your favorite independent bookshop on IndieBound and Amazon.